Welcome to the Photographer's Underground podcast. I'm Jonathan Corbett. I think we're on episode five here with Doug Burke. It is Burke, right? It is. Okay. Uh, differently from all of the other guests we've had, I have never met Doug. In fact, we just met in person for the first time a few minutes ago. The only conversation we've had is, hey, would you like to be on the podcast? Uh, sure, I think I'd be open to that. What time? Let's, we set a date, then he showed up, and we're here in front of the podcast. So thank you, Doug, for, for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, Doug started his business in 2012, correct? Mm -hmm. He was based in Winston-Salem. He's moved his studio over here in Greensboro, North Carolina. He shoots weddings, headshots, family portraits. Um, and I will say one of the reasons I had him on here because I was particularly impressed by his work. He's quite good. Uh, he's one of the photographers that came across my Facebook feed and he's one of the guys that I didn't even mind liking. And if other, like my friends saw me on Facebook, oh my gosh, my photographer liked another photographer. Right. No shame. <laughs> you do great work. Thank you. And uh, one of the, the posts that you made too that really uh, won you over with me is there was a day where uh, I guess you had off. It was right in the middle of COVID, right where COVID started. And you just planted like 100 or 200 trees was that you? 90s, 96, I think it was. And it was a single day? Yeah. Uh, it took me two days. Okay. I, I dug, had to dig the hole. So. Right. You dug yeah. the hole. I mean, I've done uh, my fair share of yard work in my lifetime. And uh, I tell you what, that is a brutal task to take on. It so was. <laughs> uh, anyone with that kind of work ethic I'm uh, is, is a friend of mine. So welcome to the Photographer's Underground. Thank you. Would you like to uh, say anything to introduce yourself if I didn't uh, include it or if you I got You pretty it much nailed it all. That is, that is me in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, uh, what I'd like to ask you a lot about is um, we've had two podcasts now that have been very very business minded i'd like to talk with you of course a little bit about business but i'd also love to talk to you more about because you're the first wedding photographer with uh, also portrait and headshots that we've had on here jason uh kind of you know does what you do do too but um you are incredibly highly reviewed you've got lots of um good reputation around the area uh obviously your work I think is just next level. So I'd love to know about how you got to that level. Uh, there's lots of people also who buy cameras and the first thing they want to do with them is do what you do. Right. But Oh, so few actually makes it work. Right. Um, so what we're doing here is just trying to explore the nature of success. What makes businesses actually survive? Um, you don't have to give necessary necessarily exactly how, you know, local competition can watch this and, and do exactly that's not what I'm trying to say but general advice that is absolutely fundamental to becoming a full-time photographer and able to provide your family with with that type of income would be would be great well it, it took me a while um, it took me a while to get to that point um, since I just went full-time about a year ago okay um, so I you know I, I worked for for years working a full-time job um, a decent job. I was miserable, but, mm -hmm. um, but, but to build a successful business, I mean, I, I focus on client experience. Um, so from the very begin, well, from the beginning, when they come onto the website and I try to make it easy for them to follow where they need to go, it's easy for them to contact me. I've got 
buttons everywhere, contact forms, um, and then through the booking process, it's all it's all automated. So they get a um, a confirmation, directions, everything, and then the final. You know, when once we meet, you know, I try to be personable. Um, I just try to make it really super easy on my client and ask what they need and what they want, and I do my best to give it to them. I have found that service is definitely a secret uh, ingredient to success uh, yeah, because um, I've seen lots of photographers who've got the talent, but they don't deliver on time. Uh, they don't deliver on what they advertise. You know, right. the pictures on the website are a lot better than what they can consistently deliver on. Uh, and when I was doing a little bit of research uh, on you last night, you probably got some Facebook notifications from like photos that I was liking from years ago. But uh, I was really surprised to discover how many, like you had something, I think 88 reviews and all of them were five star. Yeah. I looked yesterday actually at 85 yeah. on Google. 80, yeah. 85 well, you got three more since then. Oh, okay. So uh, congratulations. I, that's not easy to do, especially because uh, every once in a while you might run into just somebody who didn't like your post on Facebook or something else and they'll find out where you work and they'll go to your Google review and they give you one star. <laughs> well, so just avoiding the crazy people like that is, is a feat in, of, of itself. Well, those who know me know that I can say some off the wall things, but I think I treat people well. Mm -hmm. um, if they're, you know, I've had clients that, that have had issues, um, whether it's with what was delivered or, or something, but I work hard to make sure that, you know, whatever I can do to make it right, I'll do it. And if I say that I'm going to do it, I do it. I, I, uh, under promise and over deliver. That's kind of right. my, my motto. So if I say I'll have your pictures to you within a week, four days, three days, you know, that that's my goal. Right. Um, is to do that. And that, you know, clients like that. Mm. And that's, that's the goal is to have clients be excited. Yeah, um, excited when they leave, excited when they get the pictures, excited to tell others about it. Um, Which is no easy feat. Uh, one of the reasons why I don't do that many headshots or family portraits is because it's really hard to make someone excited about pictures of themselves because people can be so insecure or so self-conscious about themselves. It's really hard. Uh, one thing I've discovered is once once someone gets in front of a camera, man, they just tighten up. Uh, right. They they're stuck to things that they think looks good. Um, you know, uh, I love my wife dearly. There's nothing you know wrong with my wife at all. I love her uh, a whole lot. But sometimes when we shoot together, she just has this um, the smile that she does that's like her go-to. And I'm like, hey, babe, you know, we've got a lot of those photos with that smile. You want to just be natural, yeah. loose, but it's so hard for her to just, you know, a little bit relax. And uh, But um, from the photos I've seen you taking of people, you know, at weddings and, and, and uh, your headshots, people just look fantastic, incredible. Uh, you really see their personality pour out into the camera. It's It's great to see. And I also have come to realize that's a talent that the photographer has, being able to bring that out of people. Uh, maybe the first topic would be discussing how on earth do you do that? <laughs> Again, it, it starts, I think, from the initial booking process. Right. You know, so contacting me, realizing that it's, it's super easy to get on the schedule. 
um, at a time that's convenient for them. Mm -hmm. They walk in. I'm, I'm at Revolution Mill, so the the space is great. You go to Revolution Mill, and you're like, wow, it's a super nice place. So it's really it's somewhat magic um, in a way, but it's just really organic. You know, I see. 95% of people are, are just uncomfortable in front of the camera. Hmm. So I don't know that I really tried or planned out a route to say, this is what I'm going to do to make people comfortable in front of the camera. Yes. Um, but so, with headshots, sometimes I may have three minutes. Okay. Um, wow. So I can get a great photo of somebody within five minutes. I can get one that they're excited about most of the time. Hmm. Um, so it, it's just talking, just like we're sitting here doing. Um, and usually when I raise the camera up, I'll see them stiffen up. Yep, that's exactly so, exactly so right. I, I see that immediately, so I always say, you know, just, just pretend we're sitting here talking. Mm. Um, give them something to look at so they don't feel like they're blankly staring into the camera. I say, can you see your reflection in the camera? Mm. And that gives them, they're looking at something not just staring off into something unknown um, body placement having them pretend like they're holding the four foot long Italian sub <laughs> they look at me like I'm crazy when I say that um, so there's that look of confusion and they're like this dude just trust me must yeah. you know and I'll say that this is just trust me so I'll then I'll show them right um, so I'll show them the process to, to give them an idea of what to do and what not to do. So I say, if you see something in the picture that you don't like, don't do it. Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty simple for me. I mean, it's, it happens really quickly, but it's that's taken years to get there. I worked on my headshot lighting and posing for a solid year before I felt like I could consistently reproduce um, quality headshots. Right. Did I not shut the door? I think my dogs are coming down the stairs here. We may have a uh, intrusion. Milo, what are you doing down here, buddy? Upstairs, guys. Sorry. Upstairs. They ah. just they just want. Hey, yeah. Feel free to talk a little bit longer. I'm gonna. They I'm gonna, just want to make. You're not allergic, appearance. are you? Are you? No. No. Okay. No. I'm gonna we run them dogs. back upstairs real quick. While uh, feel free to talk a little bit more about uh, just having people feel natural in front of the camera. Sorry, guys. All right. So. Um, Milo, shut up. Come on. Um. Having them feel natural, I'll, I'll take them through um, kind of a range of, of emotions. So for serious face, um, laughing out loud, giving them something to think about. Um, you kinda, it kind of goes up and down that way they can go through a range. Right. So we'll get kind of a serious face, which really isn't the goal, but um, it's part of the process. Mm -hmm. uh you were talking um, a little bit about having people focus on, on certain things, specifically looking for things in the reflection. Are there certain phrases that you have that you go to? For example, one thing I'll, I'll say when it's like, hey, don't worry if we get a packed picture. I mean, a bad picture, we'll never use it anyway. So, you know, yeah, I'll say that. Expressions. Don't, don't worry if you, if you blink. You know, right. don't don't worry if we get we, we take a lot. So there will be ones in there that we just won't want to use. Mm -hmm. But don't worry about those. Would you describe yourself as um, someone who's, you know, easily makes friends out, you know, people person that just kind of has a natural gift that you were born with to get people to relax? Or are you more kind of introverted? 
I'm definitely an introvert. Okay. Um, but you know, it, given the choice, I'm good at home. I'm I'm good at home by myself. Um, I've just always been that way. If I'm in a crowd of people, I'm usually the one in the back. Right. And I'm and I'm perfectly fine with that. But you know, when I meet people, especially for headshots, you know, it's it's so quick. I don't I don't know these people. I have to get to know them on a personal level within five ten minutes. Mm. So that come it must come naturally. Okay. Uh, so I I just I'm usually personable. Um, I'm open. Um, people usually say I'm very calm. I come across very calm. Yes, you do. But I can assure you, inside, I'm not calm. Like I'm I'm very <laughs> I'm very obsessive and compulsive and just, you know, especially when it comes to a photo shoot, because it's so hard sometimes to focus on what matters, which is making sure you're focused on the subject, getting that good composition that you want and just letting everything fall to the side. Because I mean, that's one of the great thing having an assistant uh, can work well with, but sadly as a photographer, you have to worry about, okay, you know, is this, is this card formatted properly? Uh, is the lighting working? Not just because the lighting's set to the right setting, but is the battery about to run out on my camera or on the lighting equipment? Or is the cord, uh, is someone going to trip over the cord? Did I tape it down properly? Or, you know, it's just a thousand things you have to constantly, <laughs> there's the, that, that pre-panic, you know, the night before a wedding or or the uh, few minutes before the shoot where you're just like, oh, shoot, you know, what if I forgot something, you know? Um, I, I, you know, I, I think of that, but I, you know, being prepared mm -hmm. before you go into it is obviously important. So uh, for me, know. it's just no matter how prepared I am and I'm, I quantify things and I, I'm pretty systematic. It, I've don't think I've ever gone to a shoot and forgotten something, you know, where, right. where we couldn't do the shoot at least maybe, maybe I forgot an extra battery or something. So. But, I think you just you learn how to adapt, yeah. uh, especially in wedding photography. You know, assuming you have your camera in one lens, you should be able to make it happen. Um, obviously, if you're in the dark, you know it's, it's not going to work. But again, you you figure out a way mm -hmm. um, to make it happen because conditions aren't always perfect um, for wedding photography. Headshots in the studio, of course, you get to control everything about it. Mm -hmm. um, but shooting outdoors, there's a lot of variables, so you just have to adapt. And right. You have to do it without the client knowing you're trying to, um, and you, you just have to inform the client so there's no downtime. Mm. Um, having them guess what's happening now, uh, what do I do with my hands is a big one. You know, so <laughs> It's like you've carried these things around your entire life, and all of a sudden, they become, become aware of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that that's a big deal. So I try to minimize any of that uncomfortableness that comes with being in front of the camera by giving direction and constantly saying, if I have to go through some pictures on my camera, I tell them I've got to go through a few pictures, make sure focus is good, lights good, all right. that. So I, I let them know instead of just blanking out and looking down at my camera because mm. you know, that makes people feel uncomfortable because they don't know what's coming next. Yeah. Awkward silence mm -hmm. uh, can really ruin, ruin the situation pretty quickly. So you're saying, uh, there's no essential oil that you can diffuse in your studio. No music you can put on. That'll put people at a, a good relaxed, not you can't get the serenity or the, uh, <laughs> I think you just have to be open. Yeah. Um, you just have to be sincere. Mm -hmm. Um, and honest, and, and if you don't like something, you know, just say let let's try something different. Right. You know, I I mean, my approach is it's really straightforward and simple. Mm. Um, 
and I'll be doing some behind the scenes stuff video um, actually this evening to, to kind of show the headshot process but um, it's it's organic I don't like to keep it that way awesome uh, you had mentioned earlier that you had just started doing this full-time a year ago mm -hmm. um, which is incredible uh, because you seem like your work just seems like such an established professional like when i saw your work i'm like man this guy's purebred photographer well uh, i didn't want to take that leap of faith i had a nice <laughs> job i got you know a good salary you know mm -hmm. so it's it you know i didn't want to let that go yet I just wasn't ready to mm -hmm. uh, and then finally i just you know took that leap of faith well uh let's walk us through that because we've got plenty of time today um what was your journey from you know, starting to do photography on the side and then realizing at what point did you decide maybe, maybe I want to do this, you know, for my livelihood for full, you know, my full-time job versus actually making it happen. I think from the very beginning, that wasn't my intent to be a full-time photographer. Um, I started taking pictures and practicing, getting better and then starting shooting families headshots weddings all that stuff and uh, you know I've, i found myself getting better more clients um, a big thing for me is advertising mm -hmm. so you get you've got to learn more than just photography a lot of it is seo google ads facebook ads you've got to figure out who your client is this is one of my favorite questions sorry to interrupt um where do you get the majority of your business is it through word of mouth your website social media if you could break it down like pie chart percentage wise um a lot comes from social media mm -hmm. i would say maybe 60 percent social media okay um word of mouth which could also come through social media right um google i've been working i've been working hard on google lately right trying to rank organically so i can tell you all about that I'm yeah. quite good at search engine optimization myself. I rank uh, in the area for a few keywords that I have gone after myself. Um, but for me, the the kind of order goes probably 60 to 70% of all my business comes from word of mouth. Right. And even though I rank on the first page of Google for, let's say, um, real estate photography, uh, drone photography, aerial photography, um, and a few others, I would say quite, quite a bit under 10% of my business comes from leads based off of Google. Really? Yeah. Um, so a lot of people will really spend a whole lot of time when really I have discovered and I have found through my own anecdotal small, small sample size here on the podcast and people I've talked to. Um, still, despite all the technology and social social media, most people's business still comes from word of mouth. Right. So uh, taking care of your clients is really important, but not in your case. You actually have a lot of people coming through social media. Right. So the life cycle of a, say, a headshot mm -hmm. is, is very, very long. Guy came in the other day. It had been 11 years since he had his last headshot. Yep. Yeah, I'm used um, to that. <laughs> so, you know, repeat clients. Of course, I do get repeat clients, uh, but... A lot of them will go years in between um, a family portrait session or needing a headshot and then a family portrait session. Um, so there's a lot of in between. And of course, I, I touch base with them through email marketing campaigns, um, 
I use Square. Mm-hmm. So, so that kind of keeps me fresh in their mind. Um, you know, of course, I ask for refer- referrals, uh, ask for reviews, things like that. So, word of mouth comes. It's just, you know, the, I think the need for it when somebody wants it, they go on Google. Right. You know, they, exactly. That's the first thing that they do when they're looking for it. And, and maybe they'll have a conversation over dinner with a friend about, you know, hey, I was looking for a photographer. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, Doug Burke. But, but a lot of it comes from Google. Right. Um, the organic search is priceless. And I try to tell the photographers uh, that are starting, you know, that that organic, that SEO traffic is priceless. Hmm. It, it, it really is. And I've spent years. I mean, I started um, a company working on my SEO probably four or five years ago. Uh, it took a while to get to a, a rank number one on Google in the in the trial or in the Greensboro area for a few terms. Yeah. Uh, but it took a while to get there. Yeah, it does. Especially, like I said, I believe in your industry, you're a lot more saturated than I am in, in a little bit more commercial work. Right. Because I think I said this um, earlier, if I'm repeating myself already, but um, everybody who buys a camera, the first thing they want to do with it is go shoot a wedding, it seems like, or go shoot family portraits. Bad idea. Yeah, it's a really bad idea. <laughs> a wedding, yeah, um, don't do it. But nevertheless, you have to deal with the realities that that's necess- inevitably that's what people right. go and shoot, even if it's a bad idea or not. Um, let's see here. What, what then... Uh, Learning all the advertising and search engine optimization, does, is this something you did for your previ- previous job? What was uh, You don't have to say, like, say who you worked for, but what did you do? What was your expertise? Nothing to do with photography okay, or advertising. Or advertising. I was okay. in sales there for a while, uh-huh. um, but I managed, uh, I managed a f- uh, you know, through the last five or six years, uh, I've been in management. Okay. Um, so, you know, managing people and stuff. It's really interesting. I have found, uh, once again, and I did not know this about him, but uh, lots of people who end up being quality success in photography have some towards types of sales history. Um, and also, I was told by uh, some experts who were helping me out to go learn how to do sales uh, because I was doing pretty decent and learning some high-end photography techniques and, and, and stuff. But uh, they said, man, as good as you are, you're never going to make it as a profession if you don't learn how to do sales. So it's just interesting that people have that. that. Now, I'm a horrible salesman. I'll go ahead and say <laughs> when it comes to photography, yeah. um, you know, I'm not the type of person that pushes things on people to, right. you know, to get that sale just a little bit more. I offer options and, mm-hmm. and if you give them a good enough experience and like say with headshots, if you give them uh, a good experience and you capture them genuinely, they'll naturally buy them. You don't, you don't have to sell it. Right. You know, um, especially if they need more than say one shot, um, you give them good photos, they're going to want to buy it. And if they're excited about it, they'll buy it. Right. Um, so I don't, there's no sales tactic necessarily right. f- for me. Yeah, it's not for me either. It's just um, the sales experience makes you less afraid of some basic things you have to do to be able to sell something. For example, uh, if you see an opportunity where someone could be using or, or needing a headshot or looking for a wedding, you understand how to approach them and exactly how you said, not 
push them or make them feel uncomfortable, but just introduce yourself, uh, make them feel comfortable, and also present the idea to say, hey, you know, if, if, you, if you need somebody to do that, I'd be happy to do it. I always do it, especially yeah. if, if we get to the point where uh, I get to ask, what do you do for a living? And, right. and they say, um, whatever it is. And I'm like, you probably need a headshot. And they're like, yeah, it's been a while since I've had a headshot. Here's my card. Right. And um, see, that's so. exactly how it's done. Most people, and this is what I'm talking about, um, how you're describing pushing too hard, that's poor salesmanship, right? right. That's, uh, and then on the other side of that, you, you either push too hard or you're afraid, you're insecure, you're terrified of them saying no to you, which, which you take personally if you're a bad salesman. Um, because you don't have the sales experience. So there's that line in between, you know what, I'm going to approach this person. I'm, I'm just going to, you know, put it out there and whatever they do with it is, is their business. Well, but, uh, and here's a story. Uh, the other day I was at the studio and a couple, a couple walked their dogs by the studio. So I went out my door to pet the dogs because I love dogs. Yeah. I love dogs. Okay, good. So <laughs> I, I actually just went out there to pet the dogs and she says, Oh, you're a photographer. And I said, yeah. And she, she I said, well, what do you do? She's got a place there at revolution mills. She says she's in, um, uh, staffing. Right. So again, I Perfect. said, you Perfect. probably need a headshot. And she was like, actually we do. So, yeah. you know, of course I said, here's a card. And and she may or may not come. I don't know. I haven't heard yeah. from her yet. But again, that life cycle is huge. And people usually put off photos for as long as they can until they absolutely have to have them uh, for headshots. But um, it, it was really that easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just be personable. You have to be likable. I don't think any anybody, a professional, successful photographer is going to be not so nice person and do well. You're saying you can't start start arguments with people online and earn their business? <laughs> no, no, definitely. I, I, you know, and I stopped social media about a month ago because yeah, you know, it's it, really, it was, it was a downer ugly. for me. It's ugly out there. It's been bringing me down too. Right. Usually, uh, you don't know me, but, um, I have discovered as I've gotten a little bit older, um, and learned a little, a few more things about myself. I've learned some things I need to work on, but I've also learned some things I'm good at. One of the things I'm good at is it seems like no matter what's going on around me, I'm still focused and driving through, but the last few months have, uh, you know, caught me blindsided a little bit. It's, it's really hard. I'm not going to get too far into politics, but just photography related, uh, encouragement related. It is difficult to stay motivated and feeling positive about things when it seems like everyone's so angry and upset. And that's, yeah. I have to walk away. Yeah. Um, you know, and I got caught up, you know, I got caught up for a couple months before I realized that, you know, it hit me that I don't want to be a bitter person. Yeah. Uh, so I had to walk away from that. I still log on to my business account mm-hmm. and post uh, right. Instagram, Facebook, because it's an important part of business. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't scroll. I don't get on Facebook and scroll. Um, right. And I, I may go back to it. I don't know. But I'm, I'm not missing anything without it. You are not missing a single thing. That is for absolute sure. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about is, um, so we're here in my underground studio here. Obviously we have cars in the background and things. I originally, uh, made this place because I figured, you know what, if I ended up doing headshots or product photography, it could always just back the cars out of the driveway and then have that. But then I also realized, man, you know what? It wouldn't be natural for someone to come here for a headshot just because it seems so shady going to someone's basement and getting stuff. So I don't think I can invite people here. I'm just going to keep this here for products, which I do do 
and uh, things like this where we're doing uh, podcasts or YouTube videos that I do, and that's been great. Um, you are now at Revolution Mills, mm-hmm. uh, which is in Greensboro. Before that, I think you had a kind of like warehouse style studio. It was it was Studio Five Hundred Three in Greensboro, off of Washington Street. Not the best location. Okay. Um, I mean, it served the purpose for a small time when I moved the studio from Winston Salem to Greensboro because we moved. Um, that was just where I ended up for about four months or so, something like that, before I realized that this just isn't like, and I speak about the client experience, um, just like your clients coming down here. Yeah. It seems a little odd to be going into some dude's basement that I don't know. <laughs> thank you for, um, thank you yeah. for coming, by the way. Did you, be honest, coming to the basement, did you feel a little bit like, oh man, is I this going to be fun or is this going to, am I about to get, you know, shot? Oh no, I'm robbed? not worried about that. See, okay. I didn't worry about it because you, you told me. Right. Yes. But of course, you know, you have to start somewhere. I started uh, in my garage mm-hmm. um, and I had clients come to the house, which are really, I kind of didn't want people coming to the house because there's a bunch of crazies out there. Um, Ah, yeah, that's something else I've learned. I I didn't want to mix that, but even more client experience. So, you know, if they, if they come to a dark place from the beginning and they don't know, and they're uncomfortable, they're starting off in a very bad, uh, in a bad situation. So even, even if you end up getting great photography because they didn't feel great during the session, it's going to affect how they view the photo when they receive it. It affects the whole client experience, I think. So Again, that's why being at Revolution Mill, as soon as they pull up and, they, and they're looking around, they're like, wow, this is such a cool place. Well, that mm-hmm. adds to the client experience yeah. and what I can provide for them um, because maybe when they walk in there, they feel like it's the real deal, mm-hmm. you know, um, versus kind of an odd warehouse or whatever that you don't know exactly where to go or. I love Revolution Mills. My wife and I sometimes go and get some food there and just walk. Uh, around um, on a date through all the different little studios they mm-hmm. have there of all kinds. Um, I really liked, uh, there, I've, I've seen a few photographers there, but it also always seems like none of the photographers are ever there. Do you spend a lot of time in studio there, or is it more like by appointment only? It's by appointment only, uh, but like yesterday I was there from, um, I don't know, 9 o'clock, eight, 8.30 or so till 6.30. And do you keep all of your editing equipment and editing kind of like rig at the studio or do you have one at home and at the studio or do you keep them? Yeah. I got one at home, one at the studio. Okay. So I use Dropbox to kind of sync everything. everything. So yeah. everything's available everywhere I go. It's available right now on my right. phone. Very neat. Um, so anywhere I go, if a client needs files sent to them, I can do it on the fly anytime. Cool. I can edit at the studio and, and edit at home. Now, uh, you are talking about one thing I really wanted to ask you about was one studio versus the other, because I've also figured out, man, if, if I ever do need to get a studio, I should probably get one that uh, is not in my house for all the reasons that you recommended. Uh, I kind of liked your older studio more than your Revolution Mills studio. Artistically looking, Revolution Mills wins 10 times out of right. 10, right? But uh, it seems like you had more space to work with. Um, I imagine the first studio was a lot cheaper because I looked at prices at Revolution Mills and they're not cheap. And again, yeah. I weighed the price versus how's the client going to feel. For exactly. me, for me, that how's the client going to feel? One. Right. Um, now my studio in Winston 
was a warehouse. Um, it, it could have been an auto body shop. Right, exactly. You know, so when I signed the lease there, went in and put down flooring, you know, put up some decorations, um, put a couch in there, some chairs, tables, all that made it, you know, nice. feel. And it was a thousand square feet. So very nice. That was. You know that was awesome and i wish i had that thousand square foot back but if i was to pay for that same square footage at revolution mill it'd be tough yeah so my my studio now is about 300 ish square feet mm -hmm. um all that i really need you know but when i let that uh thousand square foot go in winston uh, hurt my ego more more than anything yeah. <laughs> you know because i needed that thousand square foot but you know you can make do with with really any size, especially if you're shooting headshots. I, right. I normally do family portraits outside, mm -hmm. um, but headshots, I don't need that much space. Yeah, that's exactly why I also ended up um, pulling a lot of cars. Oh, that's yours, my bad. No problem. Thank you. Um, uh, putting a bunch of cars in here because I ended up saying, you know what? I don't even have the height that I would need for, for lighting certain things. Um, obviously, I can still light it plenty of stuff but uh if i had a large group that wanted like a studio photo i couldn't do that here mm -mm. so i'm just going to make this more of kind of like a flex space that i can do a lot of things so you walk through like a little workout area i have with a punching bag and then we've got these two cars here but there's another car on the other side of that that i'm working on um and then we have a space dedicated over here for all my photography stuff and i just i just love that and then like i said if i do need more space for a project i have done a few headshots in here um then I just move the cars back and then I have as much space right. as I need. But, uh, yeah, uh, I've always dreamed that one day I would have a nice little spot where I've always thought it'd be great to maybe even build or purchase so that you can own a little warehouse space that has like those four sections. Mm -hmm. You work out of one section, then you lease out the other three and then hopefully just the renting of the space pays for your space. Then you don't have that overhead and then, you know, you're, you're going to go. And, and what I found with that, uh, when clients pulled up, mm. you know, it looks like a warehouse mm. again, you know, it, it, they're, they're unsure. And, and I'll, I'll just ask them, you know, what did you think when you pulled up? Yeah, exactly how and, I did to you. And they'll yeah. say, and eh, thought it was a little odd. We're pulling up to a warehouse. It's nice that people are honest, man. It's well, sometimes I find it so hard to get people to be honest with things. And I, I'll just, you know, you just ask them, you don't beat around the bush. If yeah. you want to know something you ask, um, and, and you listen to what they, you know, to how they feel, um, and, and think about that, okay. you know, and, and is saving money more important or is that client experience more important? And that's something for every photographer to decide on their own. Mm. Yeah, you, you're mentioning client experience a lot, and I'm I'm uh, noticing that must be central to a lot of you know just being out there and surviving and, and making it happen. Um, one other thing I would love to ask you about too, since especially on these podcasts we've been so uh, kind of like back uh, backstage driven as far as how things works behind the business. Let's talk a little bit about the art of what you do. And uh, your strategy behind um, making sure that photos turn well. For example, lots of things I have discovered is photographers don't realize, lots of photographers don't realize certain things exist. Like there's certain industry expectations when you do real estate or headshots or weddings. For example, if you do a wedding, it's really important that you grab that first kiss, that you have your bridal sessions, uh, the shots with the groom and the groomsmen. Uh, then, of course, you want shots with just the bride and groom 
and lots of people uh, will go into a wedding not understanding that there's certain things you need need to need to capture when people do headshots sometimes it ends up looking like a 90s glamour shot that's super awkward and outdated and people don't realize you know a, a corporate headshot so you got to make sure that that focus on the eye has to be tack sharp right. um you may love 1.4 1.8 aperture not necessarily the best thing for an uh for a headshot um sometimes it is better to work with a little bit wider of a uh, uh field of focus than than just going for that pretty you know bokeh um, and then with real estate, you know, you really got to make sure that your verticals are vertical. You don't want the walls caving in or bowing outwards. And, uh, you know, some realtors really like to see out the window. So you've got to learn how to blend images properly or do HDR or flambient. Anyway, I'm moving on. What are some of the things that are absolutely a must that you have to learn when you're doing headshots? And then let's move on to portraits and then move on to uh, weddings. Um, headshots. Um, it depends on the use. So let's say somebody's uh, like actors, actresses. So theirs are going to look slightly different. Um, you know, you don't have to have smiling approachable necessarily for an actor. Depends on what roles they're going for. Um, if I'm shooting, uh, headshots, I may shoot at F2, mm -hmm. um, 85 millimeters, usually what uh, I'm shooting at um, to kind of blur a background if we're going for kind of a natural background. Um, corporate stuff, realtors, professionals, things like that. I'm about F10. I usually, oh, I wow. like to personally shoot. Gray's my favorite color, so I shoot on gray a lot. You can also change gray pretty easily if you need to. Right. Yeah. And, um, or white. White's right. got a very nice, clean look. Um, so I, I do a lot on white or gray. I try to keep it pretty simple. Mm -hmm. uh, so backgrounds, I, I try to keep it really super simple. Well, that's the style right now, especially. I mean, if, if you have one of those fake brick vinyl no, backgrounds no. or or it just looks horrible yeah. and, and nobody's going to want that. Uh, so just having a simple, minimalistic type of feel comes off a lot more professional and uh, people just love that. Plus, if you're lighting it properly, which you do, um, there's no beating it. It just looks great. Correct. Now, if I have a client that comes to me and says, I really like this brick wall, I'll say, that's fine. But, you know, and I'm honest with them that that may be 1985. Um, <laughs> and if you want to do it, you're paying me to do it. I'll give you what you want. Exactly but right. I, I would suggest that you, you look at some modern headshots mm -hmm. and how you want to come across. That being said, uh, at Revolution Mills, you do have some brick walls with lots of characters so you can pull it off with a little bit more of a modern feel i uh, know i've shot by the way uh what's up with the security at um revolution mills they are absolutely super strict and kind of rude um i've i've uh you know you're supposed to get uh pay for like a photographer's permission mm -hmm. which i do and uh the security there, I presented my permission one time, but they still just interrogated me like I was a terrorist or something, planning to blow the place up. It I'll was just what, wild. I, I've been paying for space there for a while, and this one sergeant there has asked me. She's came in contact with me five or six times while I'm shooting there, and I tell her the same thing every time. 
I've got studio space here. We've been through this. I, you know, I try to stay polite, but yeah, uh, I wouldn't take yeah. it personal. But that's what I'm paying for. I'm glad to hear that. Actually, that yeah. that security, yeah, because we see a lot of photographers over there. Oh, uh, so many, I imagine. So you know, if you're not paying for space over there and you're not paying to shoot there, you you, you don't belong there. Right, of um, course. And, and I'm I'm paying for somewhat exclusivity of, mm -hmm. over there. Uh, so I, I like that. Yeah. But absolutely. I never run anybody off. If you're yeah. over there, I, I honestly don't care because you're not, it's not necessarily hurting me. Right. Of course. And, and I'm not that guy that's like, what are you doing here? Do you have a, <laughs> do you have a pass? I, I'm, I, I don't care that not, much. Not a, not a hall monitor. All right. Mm. Um, so it's really interesting that, um, like for the actor headshots, you said you're shooting around F2 and then, um, for the corporate headshots, like F10. Right. Um, why is the difference between the actors and the corporate headshots so different? I like the focus to fall off after the eyes fairly quickly shooting actors, but even at F8 shooting at 85 millimeter focal length and up close, it still falls off good mm -hmm. enough for me but if i'm shooting natural light then i'll be somewhere around f2 mm -hmm. somewhere somewhere in there do you like the focus to fall off right around the ears or yeah and and some have been you know the nose is out of focus and the right. eyes are in the focus i love that honestly if i can pull it off i tell you what um a lot of the cameras now with the automatic iphone is focus have been a huge help because I sometimes bet. when you get to those shallow depths of field man uh getting that it's hard. Perfectly focus, focus on the mm -hmm. eye isn't easy. Do you ever add um, uh, depth of, uh, I guess, add bokeh in post? Mm. No? Never. Because okay. I've, I've seen a lot of strategy where people just shoot it like F-18 or something I try crazy. To get, and then I, just... I try to get everything right in camera, yeah. right to me, um, what I'm going for in camera. I don't, yep. I don't rely on what I can, you know, unless it's... A hair or something like that that's not worth stopping for that i'll just say i'll just i'll take it out and post right exactly uh, but as far as effects and blur uh, i don't know at first i would add blur and of course it would just look unnatural doesn't look so, good yeah no, I, I you can always you can always tell and uh like you said i do think getting things right in camera looks the best hands down especially with lighting and everything else. That's one of the things I had to learn uh, seven or eight years ago is because I am good with computers. I'm very good with Photoshop and techniques like that, but I was just relying on it too much. And then I worked under a commercial photographer who was just obsessive with getting everything right in camera, mm -hmm. like things you would think, oh, yeah, of course you can start Photoshop. But no, no, we're not going to Photoshop that. And then I was surprised because uh, lots of times when he would get it into the uh, post-processing, it was very little like he would most of the time he would crop something right if, if it needed to crop but that's it's less work also it. yeah um, and it saves a lot of time if you want to spend 30 minutes in photoshop trying to fix something that you could have done on set then in five seconds uh, yeah. right i mean that seems foolish to me well a lot of stuff uh, a lot of the problem is people just don't know how to get what they're looking for uh it is very difficult to learn how to do lighting off camera properly uh, the studio lighting and then learning how to modify the light properly, making sure you're getting the soft bucket, the, the, the soft boxes or the grids, or um, sometimes people overcomplicate things and, and just they don't. And then if something doesn't work the way they think it should based off of how they watched it on YouTube or read on a blog, they're completely lost because they don't actually understand the concept yeah. themselves. So, uh, 
when something doesn't go right or let's say they have to take down their set, move into another space uh, because they're shooting on site that day, they don't know how to set it up back up again properly uh, and get good shots again because they didn't know what they were doing when they set it up the first time. Uh, so that's why I really appreciate all of your work so much is because, man, you know what the heck you're doing. Thank you. So uh, then let's move on to weddings, too, because uh, one thing I really admire is, and I, and I do know quite a few wedding photographers and their strategy for on the day of a wedding is like, hey, you know, do you use off-camera lighting uh, at your wedding? Lots of people like, you know, ain't nobody got time for that meme type of th- type of attitude but uh obviously you use lighting on your bridal sessions and it looks incredible how do you uh manage a wedding day and what type of lighting necessarily do you use and carry that around with you do you use just flashes off camera flashes or do you most of the time it, well it depends it depends on where we're shooting so obviously reception so i'm using on-camera flash most right. of the time mm-hmm. um if i can bounce the light i, I prefer to do that because yeah. then i'm mobile just shooting the um, flash straight up right speed lights or right. something around um but most of the time straight up if possible okay um very few times will i set up you know a cross light um flash there at a reception because there's to me there's kind of a sweet spot and i have to stand in one of two places mm-hmm. um, and that to me is just yeah, I don't know. I like to move. So if I can move and have the light be consistent, that's perfect for me. Um, now, like shots of the couple, um, sometimes I may not use any any flash. Other times I might. It just depends on the location. Yeah, if I feel like, like everything changes. For me, it, it changes so quickly. Um, and I don't necessarily have a rhyme or reason for why I would or why I wouldn't. Um, mobilities big how much time do i have before because sometimes you know the bride and groom may say okay let's go right now i don't have time to grab a light stand um right and my portable speed light or something or or if i have prepared for that correctly then i'm ready to go i can just everything's already set up i just got to grab it my triggers in my pocket and you know we're, we're out the door so i try to be prepared as possible but um i'd say it makes 50 50 where I'm, I'm using lights i'm almost always using lights during the getting ready time um never during a ceremony right. i don't think i've ever used any sort of lights during a ceremony even if it's super dark um like calcium mcculloch that yeah. has been the darkest place i've ever shot and it, it was really great i mean it was challenging so i loved it so it was also challenging in post-processing because there was probably three or four different color lights there also so trying to get everything to look right um, was yeah. tough. When you have mixed lighting, that is just the worst, especially coming from real estate, because one of the worst, the most thing, the thing that I spend the most time editing is color casting, right? Uh, especially with HDR or, or bracketed shots when you have that sunlight coming in and then it's usually bouncing off grass or something. Mm-hmm. And then the white interior just looks green. Right. And you're just like, and to someone who's not a photographer, they probably don't notice. It's right. just like, that's what it's supposed to look like. It's like, no, no, that's not what it's supposed to look like. It looks horrible. Especially, like I said, when you mix HDR with that, man, if you don't blend it properly, that's why I usually hand blend everything um, in, in Photoshop. Uh, those HDR programs can take that hint of green and you just nuke it. 
<laughs> See, I'm not familiar with that. I mean, yeah. I, I know what you're talking about, but, but it's not something I <sighs> almost never shoot real estate yeah. photography. So that that's yeah. all kind of gibberish to me. It's just it's just uh, horrible to use. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, going back to business a little bit. Do you have a certain amount of shoots you try to shoot a week or a month, or do you have seasons that you are kind of like, this is my, this is my jam this summer, you know, it's wedding season. Um, or is it more of, you know, I'm just going to advertise and we'll see how it goes kind of thing. Everything has a season, uh, even headshots. It's somewhat consistent year round. It still goes up and down. Um, obviously senior portraits is, is seasonal, right? Weddings usually go up and up and down. So weddings normally book more June and January. I don't know why exactly. June, June and January? June and January. You'll okay. see kind of a, a peak. Um, and I know that through Google search right. um, console, you can see the search volume. For, you really are keywords. on top of your th- your stuff. I mean, most people don't even know about right. Google search console and uh, uh, search engine optimization, uh, Google analytics. A lot of people don't realize that. Anyway. And, and, and again, there's been a few photographers that, that ask questions, and I, I'm an open book. I'll help anybody. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily see it as competition, um, but I'll tell them these things, and they normally don't do it. It's because it's a lot of work, and it, it, you know, when you first walk into Google Analytics, it's like, what it's the over- hell it's is It's overwhelming. This? Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, so it, it took a lot of time, but you can't, you can't, you just won't have the knowledge that you need. Um, Because if you're advertising senior portraits, you know, on an off time, it's it's a waste. You know, it's a complete waste. So you're wasting your ad spend that way. So if you add, you know, if you advertise a month before the peak, then of course you you, you're it's it's an educated guess, and Mm -hmm. you're likely to get more conversions that way. Same thing with weddings. Same things with headshots. Headshots I can advertise all year round, um, but still has kind of a, a, a peak. Um, you said something earlier when you're talking about being an open book and, and give, uh, sharing your advice and, and knowledge and experience with some people. And you're talking about, it's, it's wild how you will help people and give them essentially gold and they won't take the advice because it's too much work. Do you think that's a big reason why, uh, a lot of people don't succeed? They think they want to do photography then they realize how much work it is, and then they just say, nah, no thanks. Well, I think, you know, if you love taking pictures, nothing wrong with that. But if you want to build a business, you, you've got to do business things. Yeah. And and SEO, analytics, learning how, you know, to minimize your, your, your clicks, you know, how much you're paying per click and all that stuff. You need to know all that stuff just to run any successful business. Um, because you could be the greatest photographer in the world, and if nobody hears about you, you you're broke. You're yeah. not making any money. I mean, you it's can true. eventually build up through word of mouth, but ultimately, if you want to be busy and pay your bills and feed your family, then you you probably need to advertise. Now, but that's okay because the bank will just let you, you know, give you a few months rent free, though, right? I mean, you can, they'll yeah. understand, right? And you can pay with exposure bucks most of the time, yeah. too. So, you know, just <laughs> shoot tons for free. And when you call Duke Power to pay your power bill, just say, you know, you've got a couple hundred dollars in exposure bucks and you can just <laughs> pay it that way. I'm glad you caught my sarcasm. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so 
how do you feel? Uh, you know, a lot of times, I think we're also in, in some similar Facebook groups. I think we're in the art of portrait photography. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw, I've seen some posts there and I always like your stuff. Um, a lot in, in those groups, especially I find a lot of people who, uh, I guess are experienced telling people to shoot for free. Um, how do you feel about the whole free to fee strategy and sometimes um, people who just maybe charge too early sometimes, or maybe they, they shoot for free for too long. Uh, just what, what are your thoughts on all of that going around it? Um, it's either free or full price most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're just starting out, uh, you can't expect to, to charge people, uh, for photography. Um, I mean, you can, but if you charge people and you're charging $50 for a two hour session, just know that those clients will never turn into a $500 client. Uh, it's true. It just goes against common sense. So, you know, you have to try to figure out early on what your client is, who is your client? What, you know, what are they going to spend? What do you want them to spend? What is your time worth? I mean, I shot for free for a long time. Um, to to build up knowledge, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you want to start making money, you have to figure out, you know, where do you want to land? There's a, there's a lot of photographers that shoot with the intention of in-person sales. That's just not me. But, you know, some of them do great at it. Um, so it just you just have to find your business model. Right. Uh, and what you want to do. When you were shooting for free, were you sh- shooting mostly for friends and family or were you going to strangers and, and offering free shoots? All of the above. Okay. All of the above. So, you know, I would photograph people that I found on Instagram or Facebook. Um, I'd photograph families, of course, you know, mm-hmm. our, our children and dogs. And I, I mean, I took pictures of everything. Right. And experimented with lighting, um, natural light bouncing light you know different lighting conditions you know you could do all that for free right Uh, cool yeah yeah when i got started i shot a lot for free but um uh i'm definitely on the camp that you should charge as soon as you can um just just my thoughts on the whole topic are there's so much you can learn from within your own four walls of your house even just shooting your pets but also, if you want to learn how to do portraiture, you can learn a lot of the things that you need to learn by also shooting landscapes. Mm-hmm. So go out, really learn your camera, start understanding the concepts of you know um, aperture, shutter speed, ISO sensitivity. Um, start learning the um, advantages of certain focal lengths. Um, you can start shooting macro and things. There's so much you can learn. And then shoot friends and family and... Uh, I say if you can convince someone to come out for an hour or so for free, you should be able to convince them to pay you because time is so valuable to people, right? Um, That I think at that point, because sales is so important, if you're wanting to be a professional photographer, Mm -hmm. at that point, you need to start exercising your sales experience and your sales skills so that when you need them, they'll be there. Um, but of course there's more than one way to skin a cat. Uh, so, um, obviously I've done plenty of free shoots. Um, I think I did two with portraiture starting out. I did, uh, the first shoot I did, I only charged 60 bucks for, you know, that kind of thing. 
but they liked it. It went well. The next the next shoot, I doubled my prices to 120. Um, and then we moved. Uh, I didn't do too many people. I was doing mostly um, just like you know college student, whatever I could find. When we graduated and then moved to Columbia, uh, I started taking it more seriously. But that's when I started charging you know standard like $200 shot shoots and stuff. Right. Um, but before that, I you know I was considering under undercharging and I was really surprised how quickly people were willing to say yes right. to money. Um, because sometimes I think just as, as creatives we're so scared of the money topic, uh, because I guess, I don't know, I, I notice a lot of creatives are just hesitant and scared of asking for compensation. I think they tie, I don't know, tie their worth, their own personal worth so that, if they were to say, hey, you know, I charge this much and someone tells them no, they're like, oh, so I'm not worth that. Um, You have to own it. Yeah, that's not true. You know, you're worth that. It's just that, you know, maybe, maybe they didn't want it, you know. And And, and that's not your client. Yeah. Or they don't, they don't understand the value. Right. You're worth it. You're valuable. They just don't understand it. Right. And they're, uh, they're not your client. Right. So, exactly. and, and that's okay. But if, you know, if I show up with one camera, and one lens and I'm holding $5,000 in my hand, you know, do you expect me to shoot that for $50? Mm. Um, you know, and people will say the camera takes such great pictures and I'll say, I taught it everything it knows. Right. Uh, and, and there, <laughs> there's, there's value in that, you know, that, yeah, that, exactly. that actually costs dollars uh, and right. time, but you know, it costs dollars too. So when you consider all of the costs that go into it, you know, years of training, uh, courses that you may have paid for gas to get to wherever that you shot at, I mean, right. you know, it, it all costs money, man. Uh, I cannot believe the, uh, costs that come to, to running a business, especially when you're tracking them and, and, and focusing on right. how much they add up to. And it's so annoying too, after you sign up for an LLC, all the stupid paperwork you get in the mail, and it seems like you filled it out two or three times already. Uh, and then I, I just got uh, something in the mail from like two days ago from the Guilford County Tax Department saying, hey, you have uh, you have private property you didn't claim. And it's like, freaking yes, I did I mean, it's, uh, it's always something though yeah you know? it, it's just such a headache and uh some of these documents i get i don't know how to take care of them so i have to take them to a cpa or something and then that costs me money and then i have to pay a cpa to prove to the government that i don't owe the government money right. which still costs me money mm-hmm. and it's just so frustrating well that that's when it you know when people that love photography that want to be a photographer um, a professional, you know, full-time photographer. That's, yeah. they, those are the things that they don't realize that that's just part of doing business. Mm. Um, and those are the things that are horrible and they're not fun, but the majority of your time will be spent behind a desk looking at a computer, whether you're editing or business related topics to keep, you know, everything afloat. And that, that's where I spend a lot of my time. Yep. It does beat, though, um, working at a desk at some cubicle for someone else, that's for sure. Absolutely. Um, you had said, um, you, you know, you weren't perfectly happy in, in your previous uh, occupation. Uh, I would like to talk a little bit more about, about that journey from, from your, you know, full-time job before into this one. Like, how, what was your strategy from going from, you know, part-time 
photographer to full time. And what was it like talking to your your wife about that? Um, I'm not sure. Do you have any kids? We do. Okay. How many kids do you have? Five girls and one boy. Oh. The the last (laughs) one left at home is is 14. Okay. Well, okay. Uh, Excuse my reaction. I was expecting, oh, you know, I've got two or three kids. It's like, okay, so you have six kids and you're a full-time photographer. So that really must have been, you know, that, that makes the decision a lot harder because you have a lot of people depending on you. But they're already out of the house, I guess. All but one. Okay. Well, how how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 44. Okay. So um, you've had six kids. Um, yeah. Just just take us through uh, that journey from going from being an employee to self-employed. Well, I, I kind of gave myself a time frame. Actually, I cut it off probably four months before my... I said, okay, four months from now, I'm going to become a full-time photographer. Well, I couldn't stand it anymore. So I had that conversation with my wife, and I I, I looked at what I was making um, from photography, and I thought, if I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? When is it going to be a perfect time? Mm, Never Um, is. And there there wasn't one. I couldn't find that answer. So, um, you know, of course, I had that conversation with my wife, and she encouraged me, and you know, I'm the type that believes that no, it'll be okay no matter what. The worst possible outcome is that I get another job. Um, right. and, and that's a possibility, and it may not be the perfect job, but it never will. So I figured, well, let's just go ahead and do it. And then and that was, uh, that was, that was it. Well, it's interesting because uh, you're just talking about it nonchalantly, but the things I'm gathering from is you had a specific date. You had... You had set goals. Had, yeah. You you had some specifics that you were trying to focus on. So it wasn't just, um, you know, some people talk about, you know, not all who wander are lost. I'm like, yeah, but that's a really good way to get lost. Right. Um, so uh, it, it's good to hear that, you know, this stuff is intentional. It's not always, I, I hate it. And we were talking about this last podcast with Landon. Um, um, people would say, man, you're so lucky. It's like, no, it's, it's not like it takes a lot of right. specific effort, specific planning, executing, waking up and doing that every day, uh, finding out that what you were doing was wrong, adjusting to it, swallowing that ego, adjusting mm-hmm. to it, pivoting, starting something new, uh, figuring out what works, experimenting, losing, then figuring out what it takes to win. You got to fail fast. So yeah. If you, you know, if you... If you find out something isn't working, abandon it as soon as possible. The sooner you do it, the better. Uh, but it's work. Mm. Um, and people say if you, you know, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Well, I think that's a lie. You'll you'll actually work a lot harder if you do something that you love. Because mm. I'll I'll work seven days a week. Um, I love to work. I have no problem working seven so, days a week either. Yeah, yeah I love it. I, I love to work, and I like to be busy, and that takes me back to those trees um, that I planted that you mentioned. Um, there was some downtime there when COVID hit, so I don't like to sit around. So, yeah. um, you know, I was like, we're going to plant some trees. <laughs> so I you planted digging. 80 or 90 of them. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the reasons why I like that is because uh, I don't think anyone realizes how hard – people who own their own business work. Uh, I see my neighbors who own their own business who, who are always working their incredible work ethics. They inspire me so often. Um, and sometimes it's hard to measure that. 
And I think 80 or 90 trees is a great way to measure that. You had some downtime because of COVID. I think we all did. You found yourself with nothing to do. So what do you do? Uh, well, you take your, your usual work ethic and you apply it to something else. What does it look like? 80 or 90 trees, dig, yeah. digging holes, planting all that. Like, and you're able to do that because, oh, that's, that's the type of hard work you're used to doing, right. man. Yeah. Like, and I, I prefer to do it that way. I, I just don't like the downtime. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like to work and I like to get things done. Right. That's what um, it takes. I mean, that's what it takes to get things done because when you own your own business, if you don't do it, it's not going to happen. Right. Um, well, that, that's, that's great. Um, you were talking a little bit about how you usually shoot 85 millimeter. Um, I also want to ask you about prices. Don't, don't let me forget about that. Um, is 85 millimeter kind of your go-to headshot portrait lens, or do you prefer, you hear a lot of times like 50 millimeters, the natural eye look. Um, then some people love just zooming in at 200 and getting that really compressed background. Um, what are your thoughts on all focal length and, and, in portraiture 85 is kind of my my is my go-to yeah um now i've got the 1.2 that i use in studio uh, and I've got do you the, ever shoot at 1.2 no never no I, I can't nail focus like i want to at right. 1.2 same say i agree with that what's the lowest the shallowest uh aperture you'll you'll shoot at i think f f 1.8 is Probably, but that I won't do that with my 1.2. Right. I, I'll do that with the 1.4 with internal stabilization. Okay. Um, but with the 1.2, it's it's just I can't get it tack sharp. So, um, why, out of curiosity, would you have the 1.2 if you never sh- do you shoot anything at 1.2 like detail shots of rings or? No, usually I'm using the macro lens um, okay. for that. But I started with the F2 lens because that's the one everybody talked about because yeah. it was like the king right. of portrait lenses. So I had to have it, and I got it. And then I realized that it's so much better in the studio. Uh, and I, I mean, I can shoot at F4, but normally in the studio with a plain backdrop, I'll, you know, I'm shooting at F10 or so. Uh, but natural light in the studio, I'll do F2. Uh, okay. with no problem but that's with a different lens with internal stabilization um one thing i also wanted to ask you out since we're talking about focal length is um how do you feel what are do you have certain lighting ratios that you you try to accomplish um do you use multiple lights or single lights sometimes it's three sometimes it's two sometimes okay. it's one right uh, depends on what i'm going for um, so like I had a headshot session the other day for uh, ERAS application um, and you just use one light and let the white backdrop fall to gray because mm-hmm. they want a gray backdrop. So that was just one light and a reflector. Yep. Um, so I'll use uh, silver side reflectors sometimes. Uh, I also use the eye lighter, which is a curved reflector. Yep. I use that I have quite one, a bit. Yeah, I have one over there. Um, so I use the, the white side with the eye lighter most of the time okay um and i shoot men differently than women so it, it just depends on the person skin tone all that um that's interesting uh how do you shoot um men and women differently is it more like the posing and the masculine versus the feminine well posing or posing some but usually lighting a little i i like a little bit more shadow on men 
Um, so mm. like if I'm using the highlighter, I'll drop it down a lot further than I would for a woman. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, I know that when I shoot women, I always go for the, like the butterfly lighting because right. women just love that flattering light, uh, light lighting style. And, uh, uh, I tried learning posing at one point, um, as best I could. I, I t- I'll be honest, man, posing is not my strength. Um, but one thing that I did learn that helped so much is I have found that, uh, men look a lot better or executives look a lot better when their shoulder, uh, when you turn them and their shoulders a little bit down facing the camera and then versus the more feminine look when you have, uh, whatever's facing closer to the camera, you have the shoulder up a little bit, just that more feminine, um, at least what I learned or was told is it it really gives a, a more kind of like intimidating masculine look when you have the shoulder leaning towards the, the, the camera then you have a lot more of a feminine look when you have the shoulder uh, leaning away from the camera. Um, what do you think about all that stuff? I haven't really thought about it, honestly. Yeah. Um, but but men, obviously, I pose a little differently. Some people look good straight on. Mm-hmm. Some people uh, I'll turn. So you're saying the um, face has a lot to do with it, too, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, there's so many, so many movements you can do, and even with the eyes, you know, you can change, you know, how people – hold their eyes, mm. um, their mouth, you, you know, put their nose one way or the other, right. um, body one way or the other. Um, sometimes I'll have them lean. It, it really just depends on the person. Do, do they have big ears? Do they have a crooked nose? You know, what, what are their, what is their face structure like as far as where I'll turn them? Um, but, but men always a little bit more shadow. Mm. Most of the time women very evenly lit, you know, yeah. filling any cracks, so that's that's kind soft of soft light too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just that's that's my goal there. Okay. Um, and actors versus um, a realtor, it's a right. different style. You yeah, know, you're trying to convey a different message there. So most people I don't shoot straight on, especially men, especially big men, because when you go to meet somebody, you don't normally stand right. directly straight on. You know, two people standing like that's confrontational. So mm. I think that 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 kind of comes through in in the picture most of the time. Uh, very cool. Um, one thing uh, I wanted to talk to about the lighting, do you have a certain ratio that you try to go to? Let's say if you have light at full power, you'll try to have the fill light at half power. Or uh, do you have ratios that you memorize, or is it more that you kind of just go with what you look like? I just kind of yeah. – I, I would say that usually – my main light, let's say it's at half power. Uh, my kicker is at quarter power. Okay. Something, something like that. So about half, yeah. But One it stop just, down. it just depends on the person. It also um, depends on the distance, of course, too, because right. you have the light fall off. Yeah. But generally, that's about where it goes. But I change it constantly. But I can usually tear down my setup and put it back up and be pretty consistent with, with the light. But I'll take a few shots, adjust things as needed, um, and... Yeah, because I've I've worked with uh, some photographers who do it like that. I do it like that as well, but it's really interesting because I have usually some of the older breed, the old guard photographers who literally set up their lights. They have the light meters that they pop on each one. They measure exactly how much distance from the light to the subject, so they get it down to a science. And I will say, they're as annoying as it looks and as old fashioned as it seems. Um, the lighting can turn out so fantastic. And that, the reason I ask that is because you have that result, but you don't 
use all all the tape and all 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 the things. So, but you take any of those tools away, and that photographer is going to be lost. Yep. You know, so for me, being uh, you know being able to change and adapt is is huge. So mm-hmm. you you just have to figure it out. It's um, just uh, I I it's not very often you find someone who gets such a precise lighting like you do, uh, and kind of just knows just just can can work it um with without breaking it down to an exact science like some people do uh and i agree with you completely off often too those old guard photographers too uh usually aren't up to date so they'll have those fake brick backgrounds and those 80s and 90s looks so even though the lighting's fantastic they ruin the shot because they have horrible taste in backdrops or some other type of thing that they learned they're just stuck on that's my worst fear i was thinking about that <laughs> in the shower uh, last night and i thought will i ever be that photographer that's uh, still stuck I think about it all the time yeah. and i and i want to i'd like to think that i wouldn't you know mm-hmm. but um ho- hopefully not because i don't i don't want to have uh you know the glamour shots look you know in 20 yeah. years i don't want people uh, looking like it was 20 years old. That's one of the things why I like doing a variety of work too. Um, uh, in regards to, I think before the podcast, we were, I was just having you test audio, uh, and we were talking a little bit about um, niche versus doing a variety of work. And one of the things I like about doing a variety of work is because it it forces you to keep learning. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do a niche, you can. Uh, what what some people will call oh you know uh, um, people will accuse people who do a variety that they're uh, jack of all trades master to none type of thing, uh, but I will say the opposite too. Lots of people claim to be experts in their niche, but really all they are is a one trick pony. And you could look at it either way. Yeah, I, guess, I mean, yeah. I so the, exactly you could look at it either way. What it comes down to is, are you good at what you do or aren't you? Because I know some people who, let's say, do headshots or only do weddings, and I do weddings better than they do, and I do right. like maybe two or three weddings a year. Right. Like, uh, so claiming that you're an expert because you only do one thing doesn't make you an expert. It just you anyway. know if you if you know light and you know people and you know posing, some of those whether it be family portraits, headshots, or wedding photography. Um, any of the posed wedding stuff, you know, you still have to deal with people. You still have to know lighting, you mm-hmm. know, have to pose people. Uh, you reminded me actually of some of the industry expectations in portraiture is like uh, when I was learning portraits, I just the way I entered photography, I was always interested in the light, the lens and the camera. You know, that's what a lot of people are interested in. And I didn't even think about posing, but posing in headshots, portraiture weddings is, I would say, one of the most important things you can possibly learn to make a good picture. Uh, Another thing I I learned too is that uh, when you're doing family portraiture, especially having props um, things in the image that, you know, let's say you have a kid with, um, I don't know, a little baseball and a little bat uh, can really make the difference in a client really loving the image and not loving the image, putting a little bit of effort. Extra it gives it in. like an intention to the, yeah. to the photo. And I, I like honestly, I don't use props. Mm-hmm. Um, and people ask me about it and they're, I'm the clients are always welcome to bring anything that they want, but I, I don't provide anything. Um, if we're shooting at a park, we'll use a flower or mm-hmm. something that we found there 
for the child to be interested in because it's already at the park. I try, as a guy, I try to um, intentionally study uh, female photographers in regards to how they do things differently because I have noticed that sometimes uh, they do something that I don't know how to do, right? I, I don't get because I, I, I do believe that, uh, you know, guys and girls are different and they think differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, and there's reasons why some clients go to girls photography because they want, you know, girl kind of eye, girl kind of strategy. One thing I have noticed is that a lot of girl photographers or women photographers who do family portraits really knock it out of the park when it comes to props. Uh, you know, you know, those blackboards, um, Mm -hmm. um, beautiful dresses, uh, different outfits, um, and I've seen, you know, in these groups as well, uh, just huge garages and storage areas f- packed with props that these photographers have, um, collected over time. Uh, so it's, it's something that I learned that I think is absolutely true. I, I noticed too, all, always, you know, when you have a family photo shoot, um, it's, Usually, of course, the mom that's bringing props, not the dad. Like, oh, right, you know, right. I really want this baseball glove and baseball. It's like, no, the mom. Mom was going to bring that, you know. Uh, so so it's interesting. Let's um, move on to pricing a little bit. Um, lots of times you'll, I think you'll, at least in, I've noticed a lot of photographers will, will tend to get cocky or or, you know, their ego will start getting because, let's say in the real estate world, Oh man, I can't believe it. I just landed a $3 million listing. It's my first million dollar home. I'm so excited about this. And then people are like, Oh man, you know, great. How much you get charged for, or how much are you charging for it? It's like, Oh, uh, well I'm doing this one for free. It's like, well, why don't you just go shoot like a, a uh, like a $200,000 home and get paid for it, you know? Right. Um, because we're talking about those exposure bucks earlier. Uh, the first guest, we had on our podcast, uh, James, um, there's a lot of Instagram photographers out there who have 10,000 or a hundred thousand photographer, uh, um, followers and they will go out and shoot Lamborghinis or Ferraris for free once again. Um, just because they want the clout from it. They want the followers from it rather than going for, uh, the money because you need to put bread on the table. Right. And, what usually the case is too, a lot of these photographers who have the hundred thousand followers or 10,000 followers are college students or younger. So right. the paying for the mortgage doesn't really matter to them too much. I don't do it for the likes. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm not here to make friends necessarily. Um, so one thing I wish instead of talking about people arguing and you know, measuring themselves based off of how big of a listing they were doing or something else would be, well, or, or sometimes it's volume, you know, some, Oh yeah, well I had 30 clients this month. It's like, Oh great. You know, well, how much did you charge per client? Right. Oh, I was like, Oh, I charged 10 bucks a client. Well, congratulations. Right. <laughs> you made what? 300 bucks this month. Um, one thing I would like to say for people to learn is like, Hey, um, I did a headshot of an executive, um, they were really happy with their work and we did a $2,000 session because I think if people did that, people would like get a little bit, it would do, it would correct a lot of things because people were like, Oh wow, I could never, no one would ever pay me $2,000. Uh, 
I need to figure out a way to charge $2,000 for a session. And I'm not just saying we're robbing people blind for $2,000 a session. Right. There, there are real uses for people who need a $2,000 session mm -hmm. because they're incredible executives who need to have, uh, there's licensing uh, and all sorts of things. Um, and then there's people I talk to who says, you know, I mean, I'm not going to pack my car for less than $500, you know. Um, now, practically speaking, it, it, it's wonderful talking about, you know, charging those types of things. And I know in fine art portraiture, it wouldn't be uncommon to have those sessions where they come and they buy prints and things and they're walking out the door having charged $10,000 or something, right. right? That exists. Um, and then practically speaking, you've got to find a market. You can't price yourself out of market because a lot of that fine art portraiture is now out of business. It's really hard to find those types of right. people because people aren't willing clients, to pay for it. Right. right. Um, so the practical way of going about it is, okay, let's say you charge a certain amount. Let's say you're um, a consultant for businesses. You go around, you have several clients who are, or business owners and you consult them. Mm. Like you give them a few phone calls a month and you do, it's like business coaching. That's what it's called. Um, so you have your price at $1,000 a month and you get a certain amount and you fill up your schedule. Uh, so you're like, okay, well, my schedule's full, so I'm going to double my prices and see how much business I lose. Okay, you double your prices to $2,000 a month. You still have a full schedule. You double your prices again to $4,000 a month. Okay, now your schedule's like 70 75% full. You double your prices again to $8,000 a month, and then you lose down to like 10 or 20% of your schedule. So you found your market. You're like a $4,000 business coach a month. Right. That's a great way, practical way that they would teach you in college or something to, to find your market. Um, what would you say is a good standard expectation of your market for headshots? If you're doing good work, what are people, you know, willing to go for and still get, you know, a solid booked schedule? So for me, I charge $150 for a headshot. You get one image. Mm -hmm. um, it's usually about a 15-minute session, something mm -hmm. like that, uh, and with additional images at $40 each. Right. So depending on the client, uh, actors almost always buy more pictures. So I could turn a $150 headshot session, 15, 20 minutes, something like that, into a $300 sale. Okay. So... Again, just depends on the client, but the business model too. And what, what do you as a photographer want from your time? Mm -hmm. um, me, I kind of think I, I don't want to, I don't right now, I don't need to be at $500 uh, for a headshot session, um, depending on what the client wants out of it, how long will we spend on it? Uh, I can get what a client needs within 10 minutes. My clients, most of the time. You're very good at what you do, man. I, right. It takes me longer to do that. Yeah, so 10, I mean, literally, uh, a gentleman last week, he was in the studio for eight minutes. And that included him walking in the door, chit-chatting for a second. Um, so, I mean, you know, you're making $150 in 10 minutes. We got to edit right. and, and that sort of thing. And edits, I mean, you know, that, you know, I get it right in camera. So right. I'm taking care of blemishes and things like that. So the edits like five minutes. So, uh, I, I want to stay on price, but I am curious. I have to ask, you don't do 
any type of airbrushing or um, split toning of the colors with the skin or uh, anything like that? Depends on the image and mm-hmm. what everything's looking okay. like. All right. Um, so blemishes, yes. I soften the skin if necessary. Um, with good lighting, that usually isn't necessary. Right. right. So, and I usually put a black and white layer um, mm-hmm. over the image and then reduce the reds down to really see all the blemishes on the skin. So mm. it's it's really quick. It's, I mean, that's advanced. You, you talk about all these things as if they're matter of fact and anybody can do them, but that that's some difficult stuff doing that kind of thing, looking at your curves layer and all, all you know, all that. It just comes with over time, you yeah. know, um, and, and I've considered outsourcing my headshot editing. You know, I, could, uh, I wouldn't recommend it, man. Uh, gosh, I can tell you about. <laughs> I've I've tested a few companies and they've done okay. Yeah, but that still makes me nervous. Well, here's the thing too. Um, this is this is what I have found. Lots of times they'll have their premium editors to get you get you hooked, right. and then the second you know, you do a few jobs with them, uh, they'll pass off to either offshore editing or some wild people who you will get the edit back and you'll just be like, you know, WTF. Right. Were they thinking? That's what I'm scared of. You know, sometimes I think like, wow. Sometimes I think, wow. Yeah. What the heck are they thinking here? Well, at some point I feel like I'm going to have to find a retoucher. Yeah. Um, that's a reasonably priced uh, or just go up on my because prices. Because you're so busy, right? Yeah. Right. So like with uh, School of the Arts, uh, North Carolina School of the Arts, I just did last Sunday. And there were 20 students or so, and each one of them is going to get two images. Uh, so that's a lot of time editing 40 photos. Mm. And they'll actually, most of the students will probably buy more. So it's likely to be, you know, 50 images, 60 images that I'll, that I'll have to go and retouch. Right. Um, I'd rather be doing something else with my time mm. than than retouching those photos. So it just it just depends. If I feel like I can make money, if I can make more money doing something else, yeah, then I'm going to outsource it. But if I've got the time, um, then I'll then I'll just do it. Yeah, it's just you got to make sure, like you're saying, you got to make sure the quality stays. Yeah, right. Um, all right. Glad we went off into that side. Going back into the uh, and pricing and things. What is, just out of curiosity, um, let's say the most anyone's ever spent on a head, headshot assistant? One person. One person. I want to ask them some other things, too. Um, probably an actor or actress. Probably somewhere in the $500 range okay. when they buy extra images. All right. What do you say, or you can't believe everything you read on the internet, of course. So you know for a fact some of the times people will post up like, yeah. I just did this $3,000 session. Um, how realistic would you say it is? I mean, obviously we're in Greensboro. This isn't New York. This isn't like right. Austin, Texas. We're not in a huge, you know, like uh, metropolis type of type of situation. This is more your average town in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say is a more realistic, you know, price range to go for uh, from clients? And uh, then we'll go into groups after this. A realistic price range for clients? Yeah, I, yeah that's a bad question. Um, like, after, before you have a fall-off, like... I don't know. Yeah. I honestly don't know what that number is. Um, I just, I'm just doing what works for me, and mm. I started um, 
headshots, I think were $125. Right. Um, and I think I was giving away like five mm-hmm. images. Uh, so moving it to 150, then offering, you know, images for sale. Um, I increased my per sale average of headshots to, it went to about $200, $235, I think, something okay, like that. So that's just uh, doing a little business work. And there's nothing wrong with that because obviously we were talking about your reviews earlier. You were just loved by your clients. Yeah. So uh, obviously they don't have a problem with that. They they feel that you're worth it. And yeah. I would say that you're easily worth it. I would say you're worth even more. Um, and it may get to that point. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure I'll raise my prices again. Right. Um, sometime soon, but for now it's just working for me. I honestly love to do headshots. Yeah. I, I genuinely like it. And if I could pay my bills, uh, I would do headshots still Only. for, for yeah. free. Um, if I could still make a pay. living, which yeah. I can't. So, so I don't, <laughs> but, 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 I, but I just genuinely love it. And, and I think that that shows in the, the things that I've done. So I, I mean, I just genuinely like taking pictures of people and providing them with something that's going to last forever that they're happy with. Um, you know, most, most people love them. Now, uh, this is kind of an old school thing of, of charging as well. Do you ever charge licensing for your headshots? For example, you can, I haven't. Yeah. And that's, that's the kind of thing that's older. I mean, uh, I've sold a few licensing to my images, um, because let's say I'll shoot at the Raleigh convention center or I'll get some shots uh, with my drone of, of the Greensboro skyline, and then I'll have a company contact me and say, hey, we would love to license it. Then it gets class into the classic negotiating one. Okay, well, what's your budget? Or how long do you want to use the image? And it's okay, it'll be this much, and then you know you haggle back and forth. Right. Um, and Which the, is time and money. Yeah, exactly, right? But um, all right, I have found that in things like headshots, back in the old school days, you would – you know, kind of like have on retainer, hey, do you want to still use your headshot in 2021? 20, Great. Uh, go ahead. If you want uh, the licensing for this, you'll be 40 bucks, you know, some of that. And that's a good way to either one, um, just keep yourself in business because you're charging licensing, or two, uh, if someone's going to have to pay 40, 40 bucks to use their old headshot, they may just want to come back in and get a new one. For 150 well to me it's keeping up with whose license is about to run out yeah how much time am i going to be involved keeping up with licensing and to right. me a lot more than i want to plus um you might just lose the client altogether and they'll go to a photographer who doesn't do that but i have just found uh, the only reason i'm exploring that is because i have found consistently what i would consider just purebred photographers aren't doing that anymore unless you're talking about product images or, or something else uh, and I, I know that they have programs that helps them keep track of licensing and things. But, um, yeah, I was just asking that to see if, if, if you did, and, because and it's, I, it's, it's very uncommon that people do. And but, I uh, guess my approach is that the more people that see it, and if it's a great photo, the more people will say, who did your headshot? Yeah. You know, and I, and I feel like once we take that picture and they've paid for their session, it's their picture. Yeah. And it's not mine. And who am I to hold it over their head to say that you, you can only use this this photo for for a year or how long and you then you've got to pay me again that just doesn't lend to the great client experience yeah exactly it leaves a sour taste it seems Mm -hmm. like you're being a little bit of a snake oil salesman type of thing and 
Okay, okay, agreed. Um, let's move on then to uh, you. Do you offer packages for, let's say, someone says, like that staffing uh, person you spoke with, hey, I'd love to have you come and shoot all of our staffing employees. Depends on the amount of people uh, as far as what the pricing will be. So, um, like with like school of the arts, um, forty dollars a piece, I think, okay. is what we got down to, f- and that. So then you add another forty for right. a second image, so they're eighty dollars a head. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you shot twenty students, mm-hmm. so eighty that's sixteen hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Yeah, I mean, and that's a great day of shooting. It wasn't a full day; it was a couple hours. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, you you, you pack up, you go right. shoot, you take it down, you go back to the studio. You so edit. it sounds like. $40 is not much, but when you think of, you know, it took me half a day by the time I, I left, you know, packed mm-hmm. everything up, left, went over there, unpacked it, and, you know, the whole process. I mean, it's $1,600. To me, that was that was great money. It was a lot, and, and I'm, I'm completely fine with that. And now, for them, too, it's a great deal because they got fantastic $150 headshots for 40 bucks. Right. Right. But, so it's a win-win. And that was word of mouth. Mm-hmm. I didn't pay for that lead. Um, so those, those students keep coming back and keep coming back. So I've, I've consistently made them happy, happy enough to tell a friend and for that friend to come to me. Um, so it, it's been, they've been good to me, so I have to be good to them. Right. And I don't mind, uh, I love shooting. I don't know why it is. I love shooting, um, like college students and high school students. I don't know what it is. They just seems to have so much optimism in life still <laughs> most, most yeah, yeah some of them definitely not but uh i don't know there's there seems to be a certain level of energy and excitement underneath the eyes mm-hmm. um but uh all right i i honestly think i've uh asked you all the questions i have to ask um do you have anything that you want to ask me about i know you were talking about or asking me a little bit at the beginning about right. what i do but uh or you have anything that you wanted to talk about specifically not necessarily i mean we've covered a lot yeah we have Um, so and i really like this too because like i said uh what we're trying to accomplish here at the photographers underground is just um there's so many youtube channels and podcasts out there about how to do a portrait session i mean i know youtube channels who have two or three hundred videos and every single one is about how to do a portrait session. Yeah, I mean, there's not but so much to talk about. Yeah, um, and so many of them aren't talking about what I would consider what people really are looking for, which is, hey, what are the practical steps, um, right. the real things that people haven't thought of or don't think about that you need to learn in order to really make it? And who can you trust? You know, yeah. I, I, you know, I looked for all that information, and I still look up information mm-hmm. on YouTube and the Internet, and then you find out you're getting information from somebody that's offering a class or a course. And then I think, well, shit, is that real information or is that them trying to get me to the next step? Um, and which is paying for something. Right. Um, so, yeah, I've, I heard a great expression one time that says, you know, don't take dieting advice from someone who's overweight and don't take right. and don't take uh, marriage advice from someone who's divorced actually I kind of disagree with that because they, they might tell you some good things of what not to do right. um, but and also don't take uh, financial advice for someone who's broke right like right. I, I agree with those statements um, but uh, the problem with YouTube and and stuff is you have a lot of people who are on there kind of like the Instagram people they 
the Instagram photographers who really try really hard to show off how much of a success they are. In reality, they're making like $10,000 a year. Uh, right. And the sad thing is too, they're, they're killing a lot of business for other people because they're shooting these high end luxury cars where, where people have money and because they don't have the sales skills, they're essentially giving away, they're providing the client with what they wanted for free. And now they're not going to go to someone who needs it when they would have been willing to pay for it. Right. Right. Uh, so they're essentially shooting themselves in the foot and then shooting the whole industry in the foot. And well, that's then, not sustainable. You, 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 yeah. You, you can't. So that person will fall off. Right. Somebody else will come up and hopefully there'll be somebody that has a good business sense and, you know, can hopefully will, will charge money. But those people will always be there. I don't even worry about, mm-hmm. you know, that that person or that client. Um, you know, your clients will find you and, and they'll hire you based on what you can give them and they'll right. pay you whatever they feel is fair. But, uh, continuing on what you said too, on the, you have to be careful about who you trust in regards to the information you're getting. Uh, a lot of those yeah. YouTubers, all I was going to say was, um, may have millions of subscribers, millions of subscribers. They may make incredible tutorials and and teach you some some cool things about mm-hmm. how to get a good shot but w- my problem is is when they step out of their lane and start teaching people how to run a photography business because they've never run a photography business they've run a youtube right. business they've run a youtube channel and i have absolute respect for people who who run youtube channels because it it takes consistency. It takes every hard work every day. It takes a lot of the same elements as it does to run a business. Right. But the problem is when they'll tell people to do stuff like, hey, you know, do free to fee for like a year or two. And it's just like, oof. Um, maybe you should learn how to sell stuff uh, before that. Uh, maybe you should maybe do free to fee for like a month and then try to, to sell yourself and if it doesn't work out okay maybe you need to get yourself a little bit better but the truth is you can't work out forever and never kind of like uh, leave the nest like right. you need to you need to stretch your wings and see if you can fly I think if if for me once I really started to focus on client experience mm-hmm. regardless of what what money was involved and anything else if I wanted to do this full-time and successfully I had to focus on the client experience mm. um, and to make sure that I had that um, zero to minimal stress on the client. It's just an easy process all the way through yes. and completely informed. There's no, there's no back end deal. There's no gotcha at the end that says <laughs> yeah. now you have to pay me for your images or, yeah. or whatever to, you know, so that I, I provided to them what I said I would and I actually went over and above that and if I can do that for you know a long time I should be successful you're you know, exactly as right. long as I've got my my money in order and what I need to make so you um, don't charge anything like uh, what they call sitting fees where uh, like a portrait photographer headshot photographer will be like all right you know it'll be two hundred dollars to for the session and then if you want the images it'll be extra right <laughs> you don't do that and and I don't know for, for me, that's just not my client. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my client's probably not going to spend $2,000 on one session because if you have that client to me, you may only have two clients a month. Yeah. Um, and to me, 
if I do it at a lesser rate, I can have more clients a month, which I can make more cheerleaders from, which mm-hmm. will then reach more people there. Yeah, and you can just scale it so more. It, you know, it it's just my business model. And it, and I think it, it's a much smarter business model because, too, uh, when rough times come, uh, it's better to have a, a larger client base than just a small client base right. that may or may not come that month. Like if you're really depending on one or two events in a single month, if those events don't happen, you're, you know, you're SOL. Right. So, uh, you know, I, 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 um, Hey, here's another great thing we could talk about. Actually, uh, how have you been doing during COVID? Have, have things been doing okay, a little bit worse? Have you had to pivot and adjust? And if you had, what, what are some of the things that for the first, uh, I'd say in March, it was, I didn't do anything. So I completely stayed at home for a month. And then things started to pick up slowly and slowly. And I think last month, um, I don't know if I want to say exactly what I made. Well, yeah, you, I, you don't have to do yeah. Um I, I did pretty good last month. You, did you do, let's say, better or worse than usual in your average month? I'm better. I'm, I'm doing better than I did last year. I'm still over what I did last year, uh, even with three months of almost nothing. Awesome. So, and we still got, you know, a few months to go. So it'll, it'll be a great year for me. And I expect to grow at least 30% Mm -hmm. uh, year over year, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. And why do you think it worked out that way? Uh, I have heard the same thing from a lot of different people. Um, my business has continued to grow this year. Uh, we certainly have had our struggles, but we've adjusted to it. Right. Um, but we've got what was interesting for me is I lost a few clients because they're trying to save money on their marketing, but I also gained a lot of clients because they're trying to save money on their marketing. So they stopped paying these firms that were honestly just wasting their money on um, that are overcharging them for marketing and bringing on people who are kind of learning how to do like college students who are just staff members. And now they're coming to me where I charge them a little bit less, but they're also getting someone who really knows their stuff. Right. And then I'm supervising or, or editing or shooting every single thing that they get. Right. Um, so the quality has dramatically improved and I've had lots of feedback where people are like, wow, like we should have been using you all these years um, when they were originally using bigger firms. Right. So it's, it's interesting, this disruption, what, what, what I've learned. Um, what, like, have you had similar experiences like that? And why do you think you had, let's say, you know, a month or two of almost nothing. And then all of a sudden it just seems to have come back with a vengeance. Well, um, advertising SEO, mm-hmm. all that stuff helps quite a bit. Um, but I, I don't know. I think things are getting back to normal-ish. So, you know, so people are, are going back into the flow. And with, you know, I continue to work on my SEO uh, throughout this whole downtime. So I can continue to, to be, have a strong presence on Google when somebody searches. Um, so, you know, and I keep getting more customers. They keep telling more people. And it, it, just, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And I, if I keep doing what I'm doing... Um, then everything should be should be great. Awesome. And continue to be so. And, and I hope to hire, you know, hire another photographer or another couple of photographers. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to sooner or later because mm-hmm. I just won't be able to keep up. 
do you have any um how do you feel about that do you do you feel because obviously when you come to that crossroad uh you have to think man am i gonna train the competition or do you feel do you not even think about it that way or do you feel comfortable and, and you're looking forward to it well certain you know you know lots of photographers you you just can't do what i do period right. i can't yeah. teach it to you and mm-hmm. you do and you completely replace me right um it just won't happen uh, there's tons of great photographers out there but i just feel like there's a lot of room for us all you know mm-hmm. everybody everybody's got a spot and some people just aren't good business people so they just won't make it naturally right uh, and that's okay but i don't mind sharing any information that i have with anybody i'll there's a couple of photographers that you know, I'll sit down with them about Google Analytics and SEO keywords on their website. I mean, I'll do whatever I can to help anybody because people helped me when I started. Mm. Um, so I really appreciate that information. And, and if I give it back, it's not going to hurt me. It's also interesting, too, like you were saying earlier, sometimes you'll give those people that gold and maybe you'll check out their website a month later, two months later, and they haven't done a thing. That's pretty <laughs> much how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. But, you uh, know, I mean, it is what it is. So that's, I don't worry, yeah. you know, if I share everything with you that you're going to suddenly replace me. Right. It, it's just not going to happen. I have that exact same attitude. Um, plus, I say, even if even if someone had uh, this, this idea that um, they were going to try to, I don't know, get me, you know, or something like that, I'll just tell them good luck. Because I've got a very good work ethic, and in order to do that, you're gonna have to outwork me. Right. And now that's uh, that's what I always say. <laughs> I says if you can, you know, I want to work harder and be better and provide a better yeah. experience than than other photographer. And if I can do that, I can be successful. But mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just not worried about the competition. Yeah, I, I'm really not either. Plus, once you get to a certain point in your business, you learn truthfully about how much opportunity there is out there. Right. There are far more people that need real estate shot or headshots than you and I could possibly oh, yeah. photograph. Like we even if we could somehow fit 48, 48 hours in a day, it still be one enough time to service all the clients that need our services. Mm-hmm. Um, so the real problem is there's just not enough supply to meet the demand. Uh, and I find that it's not just true in the photography realm, but um, in every industry, especially trades like landscaping, plumbing, electricians, because nobody wants to, like like we were talking earlier, do the work, yeah, the exactly. work. It's work. Um, especially when you're talking about those industries, because, man, I mean, that can get nasty and sweaty and dirty and uh, people, you know, are getting away from <laughs> yeah. hard work. Yeah, exactly. They, they are. We, we, yeah. we live more in a uh, technologically advanced society and people are forgetting what it's like that, you know, if, if, if mankind wanted to put food on the table, they had to go dig a hole and dig in the mud and, and uh, get their hands dirty. And there was no automobile or machinery to get it done. I mean, mm-hmm. we've, we're, we've left that far 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 behind uh it's one of the reasons why i think um you know more equality and everything is even possible because we have technology and and things where uh people are on more of an equal playing field the internet is providing knowledge to everybody with Mm -hmm. internet connection um so anybody and then let's just think about digital photography uh people can learn photography a lot it's just a lot more accessible to people 
Um, so it's leveled the playing ground uh, for a lot of people who could only do photography before because they went to school for it. Like when there was that switch into digital, there was a lot of people who weren't that talented uh, who didn't survive. I mean, right. and I hate I hate saying this. I'm gonna a lot of people are gonna maybe downvote me or 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 comment <laughs> and say, uh, I didn't. It's not. I didn't go out of business because uh, because I wasn't talented. I went out of business because the industry was horrible. It's like, no. no, you. I'm sorry. I I have met these people who complain and whine, and I look at their website, and they're one of those photographers who is stale and outdated. And the reason they couldn't keep up with the new breed of wedding photographer was because they were carrying around battery packs and these huge lighting setups and uh their photography was just archaic like it looked like post-mortem it's like the fear (laughs) of change you know that fear of change will keep you right there in that same place so um, you've got you've got to move you've got i mean it's continually changing you know i try to look at trends and i try to think of what's you know what's next and Mm -hmm. um but also, I just, I, if I see it and I like it, I just do it. You know, it's just, uh, you know, I try not to necessarily follow trends, especially with wedding photography where people are orange and backgrounds are teal. <laughs> um, that's just not my style. Right. Um, because I feel like it's not timeless. So, mm. you know, uh, my approach to it is to, to be able to look back on it in 10 or 20 years. And it's still, other than the style of clothes, uh, it, it will still look like it could have been yesterday. Right. And I agree with that. And I think you've really accomplished that. Uh, once again, one, one of the things that I really appreciated about your work, it wasn't that, you know, bright and airy, dark and moody type of stuff. Right. It was, which I love by the way, <laughs> I, I love both of those, but yeah. it's just not for me. Right. And you just have this really just color accurate. It jumps out of the screen or out of the page right at you. And the, the subjects just look so natural, true to life. Um, and I'm not just trying to say that and butter you up because you're on my podcast. I truly did appreciate it. And, uh, I'm not mentioning the light and airy darn moody because, uh, I just thought of it. It's, uh, sometimes I get things I get really (laughs) tired of. I hate it when I have a client that calls me and is like, Hey, I was, do you do light, uh, bright and airy? Right. And I'm just like, ah. just like when somebody calls me and say, do you have props? I say, yeah. did you look at any of my work on my website? <laughs> hey. um, you know, and I'll, and I'll, but I'm honest. I say, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't yeah. use props, uh, yeah. but I've had those light and airy people too. And uh, again, did you look at my website? If you can agree with what's in my portfolio, we can move forward. Otherwise, I may not be the one for you. Have you been surprised? This is something I started realizing about year two into my business. Um, and I started getting a lot of referrals from word of mouth. Excuse me. Um, I was blown away by how many people were calling me to use me. And they had never seen a single one of my photos. They had only been referred to me by someone else. They said, hey, uh, I'd like to book you for a session. Okay, great. Uh, what do you need? They, it was obviously it was obvious to me be, uh, because if they had seen my website, they know kind of what they should be asking for, right? Right. They had never been to my website. They didn't even know my name. They just got my number or something and needed. And I was just like, okay, well, you want a new headshot, and um, this maybe they saw someone else's headshot, but 
they lots of times hadn't really looked at my photography. They just needed a photographer, found a photographer and called me for it. Uh, I mean, things weird happen. Do, do you, have you seen a similar type of thing? Like, um, I can tell some people haven't looked at yeah my, my website. I, I actually scheduled, I had a session yesterday. It was a senior session and the woman called me. She said she booked the appointment online and wanted to shoot at the Bridford Parkway location. Right. I'm not on Bridford Parkway. Right. Um, she actually meant to call, um, Olin Mills or one of these other portrait studios. Right. But she called me and I mean, I booked a session happily <laughs> and, and all, but because I was confused at first, what she was talking about, she yeah. wanted to, to schedule an appointment at the Bridford Parkway location. So finally our conversation last night, I had to ask her, you know, were you trying to call somewhere else or I'm kind of confused on this. And she said, yeah, yeah I was trying to call portrait innovations or, or wherever she was trying to call. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, that's not me. You know, that, that's not my company, but, um, it's weird how people kind of go in blindly. Um, no, it, it is weird. Um, another thing I thought of, uh, lots of times, sometimes these people who call me, uh, I think they look me up on Google mm -hmm. and they're just looking for like drone photographer or something. Right. right. And then, uh, they, they call the number on Google and then they call me and what do they want to know? How I much? Should, yeah, exactly. You can right. guess. You knew it. Exactly. I mean, that's what everybody wants to know. Yeah, I mean. I mean and price-wise, that's why I have, you know, my prices on my website. Because, I, for one, I don't want to get a 1,000 calls a day asking me how much right. for them to hang up the phone and never hurt, hear from them again. <laughs> so, it serves two purposes. You know, it's informational. Yeah. And I, it's my approach to be open and mm. provide you with all the information that you need. And yep. then you be the judge. And if you like it, call me. If not, we're all good. You just go on to the next person. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It's, it's just, it's just uh, discouraging me, to me, too, because I'll have prices on my website, too. They just, <laughs> they just haven't bothered to look. And it also is discouraging sometimes, too, when they call and ask for prices. And then I'll just stop them. I'm like, hey, yeah, I'd be happy to talk about prices. First, have you seen any of my work? Mm. Because I'm not going to talk to you about how much I charge. You know, I, I don't tell them this part, right? But in my head, I'm thinking, because I'm not about to haggle price with you when you haven't even looked at the images. Right. Because this well, person... prove the value first. Right, exactly. And, and this then... person may just be going around and saying, hey, uh, how much do you charge to this photographer? Right. How much do you charge for this photographer? How much do you charge... Okay, this guy charges 100 bucks. I can go with him versus 150, right? But... Thumbtack. Yeah, exactly, right? But you haven't, you haven't seen the photo, so... Are you really making a realistic comparison? No. And I'll get that all the time, especially in the real estate world. It's like, oh, well, I, well, I know this other photographer only charges, you know, let's say half what you do. It's like, okay, well, why are you here then? The, in my head, I say, you're not my client. And I honestly, I don't waste any more time on the phone. I, I just, I'm, yeah. I'm done at that point because I, I know the, they'll never want to spend anything extra. They likely will just go to the lowest bidder. Mm. Um, it is just not my client and I'm okay with that. Yeah. I have found that it, I have won over some of these types of clients by just saying something like, Oh, Hey, you know what? Um, thank you for asking me about my prices. I'd love to talk to you about all the work that I do, but I'll be straight up to save you some time. If you're looking for the cheapest photographer in town, I'm not that guy. Right. And if it's your client, your client will appreciate that. Yeah. And, and that, at that point, Sometimes my client will just get worked up over price, you know, at that point it may say, you know, just kind of reset them. Be like, oh yeah, 
okay. Um, and then it gives you the opportunity to educate, prove your value, and then sometimes they'll they'll uh, book with you. Um, well, and, and it's funny that you mentioned that. It makes me think of a headshot session that the gentleman called me to, to book, and he says, well, now, there's other photographers that are cheaper. Uh, why is that? And I said, well, you know, you look at their work, and, you know, you be the judge. But after he came in for a session, um, he said he realized now why my pricing was a little bit more than the next person because yep. of that experience and he absolutely loved his pictures that, yes and, and he was a man that did not like his picture taken nobody ever likes it death. Um, but he <laughs> was thoroughly impressed with how i was able to capture him and but but you see in the light bulb and he, he understood at that moment why it was a little bit more um so sometimes i'll you know but again i laid it out for him when he questioned it just go look at the work you know yeah. and it'll if it's worth it to you, then you'll see that. If it's not, then you'll you'll call somebody else, and I'm okay. Yep. I'm perfectly okay with that, with losing clients that really aren't mine. That's a good place to be, and uh, that's a really good way to approach your business, honestly. And that's, I think, why you do so well, because you're so confident and so secure in what you do. Uh, you're not going to let that get in your head and, and discourage you. I think that's why also a lot of photographers fail. It's not because they they fail it's because they quit right. uh, they let it they let it get inside their head um you had talked a second ago too about you had just said the word thumbtack hmm. <laughs> and that made me think about stuff where do you find you know online social media um there's different ways i'm the kind of person who's just all out attack on all fronts type of person if there's a way to advertise myself i'm gonna do it but thumbtack i don't even bother with myself but like I, I it, usually if you look up on Craigslist, sometimes I let it expire. But if you look up on Craigslist for a photographer, you're going to see me. If you look up on Google for a photographer, you're going to see me. If you look at Facebook Marketplace, you're going to find me. If you look at Facebook regular, you're going to find me. Um, if you hopefully look for word of mouth, you're going to know who Jonathan Corbett is, right? Or try another photographer or something else. Um, how, what, what kind of platforms like the Knot, other things have you found to be just a waste of your time? The not. Yep. What? And, and I've gotten a couple of inquiries on that, but I, I don't pay for I don't pay for the not. Uh, and they call me all the time. You know, they want me to pay for their platform, which is you know a few thousand dollars a year. I'm just not there yet. I don't mm -hmm. I don't feel like you know. And I always ask them when they call me. So you want me to pay three thousand dollars to be on a list with two hundred other photographers? Like that does not that goes against common sense because if I take that same three thousand dollars and I put it on Google Ads, I could be the very first person that they see. Yeah. So, and it, it looks more credible that way too. Right, and I'm exactly what they're searching for, you know. So, it just didn't make sense for me. Thumbtack, I've got it. I'm on there. Mm -hmm. I don't pay for it to be on there. It's I basically used it as a backlink opportunity. Um. But it's, you know, people want the cheapest person out there. They want the cheapest possible price. And I'm, I'm just not that one, so. I was also suspicious of Thumbtack that some of the leads were even real. They seemed. It's questionable sometimes. Seemed manufactured. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to pay for a lead that probably, I did it at first. And a lot of times, I, you know, I'm paying $15 for a lead that would never respond. Um, same thing with uh, Wedding Wire and the Knot is what I hear happens a lot. Um, so. 
I just don't pay for that to be in a big pool of other photographers. If I can pay Google and, and be on the top spot. Yeah, exactly. And I can control how much I want to spend. I can control, you know, you know, every part of that process. Um, I can control where they land, you know, on what page, according to what terms they search for and, you know, all, all that other stuff. Awesome, man. Um, well, I think we've learned a lot and, uh, Excuse me, I guess if you don't have anything more, we'll start bringing it to a close here. Do you have any, um, you know, slugs you want to throw out there as far as where to follow you or, or your website that people want to check out? Uh, DougBurkePhoto.com. Yep. Uh, it's website on Instagram, DougBurkePhotography. I don't think I follow you on Instagram. I need to do that. Um, I, if you search Doug Burke on Google... Mm-hmm. It would be hard not to find me. Okay, cool. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, do you get more leads from Instagram or Facebook? Facebook. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Because my demographic, uh, well, it depends. If it's wedding photography, um, it would be Instagram. Okay. Um, but headshots, things like that, it's, it's definitely Facebook. Cool. All right. Well, I really appreciate bringing you on. If you guys want to like or subscribe or uh, rate the podcast or video wherever you're watching this, I'd really appreciate it. Um, I do try to bring on some real frontline photographers who really do go out there every day and uh, bring home the bacon. So uh, if you're looking for some more down-to-earth practical uh, education and uh, good content, please uh, like and subscribe. And hopefully if you have anybody who you'd recommend, just leave down some comments. Also, Make sure you do comment down below. I would love to respond to you guys. Being that we're just getting this thing started, I am responding to every comment. And if you have questions or anything, uh, now would be a really good time to get a response from me directly. But uh, anyway, Jonathan Corbett and uh, Doug Burke, thank you for coming in today. Thanks Appreciate for having it. me. No problem.